Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to the Angler's Happy Hour podcast. In today's episode, we talk about remote control alligators, fishing info gone wrong, and getting big leagued at the dock. Hope you guys enjoy. What about that is illegal? Maybe we need to start recording because this is probably worth talking about. Oh, and we are. What about okay, that? Sweet. What about All right. that is illegal? Maybe you're not allowed to be a jerk. Publicly being a jerk is frowned upon in the United States. I'm not sure. I don't know what would be illegal about that. Hmm. Yeah, you're, you're definitely scaring people and putting them in harm's way for their actions. Maybe That's it's true. like yelling fire, the old yelling fire in a theater thing. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. They could freak out and actually harm themselves, but uh, you know, after seeing that thing. So what we're because talking in that about, video, the cops came and talked to him. Go ahead, Josh. Yeah, what we're talking about. Nick found this video, this prank of a just like a, a plastic alligator head without the rest of the body that has a little motor behind it, and it it's remote controlled. And he's got this six minute video. It's got like twenty five million views of a guy just driving it around, torturing people. Dude, and to say it's a plastic alligator head is too modest. I mean, that thing looks like... Looks legit, yes. Dude, it looks like a big old nasty swamp gator just <laughs> coming at you at like 30 miles an hour. Yeah, you, uh, we'll, you... We'll make sure to post a link so people can see it, but it is... Man, it is just so good. There's one one of his pranks. He has it hiding behind like a bush in the channel of the creek, and these people are coming down in a... Con- and you almost even wonder if that one's maybe staged or something. Because I, I swear she says something like, oh, I'm not scared of gators. Like, I'm from Florida or something. And about that time, he zooms it out from around the bush, and it's coming right at him. And you can tell they're both, like, back paddling with their paddles, trying to figure out which way to go. Oh. A couple a couple people are all nonchalant, just, like, pushing it off with the paddle, like, no big deal, too. Like, right. Like, it depends like they, on where you're from, man. They don't. They are not scared of gators in the South, dude. They're not, no. But, well, the dude that jumped off the bank and Macho Man Randy savaged him with the elbow, he might have been a little afraid of it, at least for his buddy, because what was he going to do, right? I'm going to jump in the water into the alligator's domain and take it down. Yeah. Don't you think he was part of the prank? Maybe so. Maybe so, because that was not ending well in real life. I thought no. that. Or maybe he was just wanting some glory. He saw that he had the vertical view, so he saw it was just a fake little motor on the back and he wanted to look like a hero for his buddy like dude remember for the rest of his life he'd be like hey remember when i uh jumped on an alligator for you well, <laughs> yeah. well bro code would suggest that i would hope that you guys would do that for me because clearly i'm jumping to save you from an alligator don't worry i got that <laughs> that's nice rob shaking his head no <laughs> right on well uh what's going on with you guys it's been a week since we talked glad to uh see you guys what uh what's new rob for you uh, not a ton, uh, still waiting for a part for my boat to get it fixed. So I haven't fished all week. So as far as fishing content or current fishing content, I've got nothing. Um, I've spent the last day and a half helping my son install, uh, the Tomar off-road light bars on his Toyota Tacoma. And that's been quite the project. We, uh, we did it pretty cool. We did a, we got what's called a switch pro to get it at super duty headquarters and, uh, you can get it to where it's an app on your phone. He can literally turn his lights on with his phone. You can change the colors. You can turn it into a SOS pattern. Um, and it's, uh, it's really cool because it's just a really clean install. It's not easy by any means, but super clean when it's done. So it was a lot of fun doing that. And it's my wife uh, actually reminded me of something. She's like, you know, if it wasn't for this virus, you guys wouldn't be doing that. You wouldn't be sharing that time together. And she's totally right. So... It, um, not that that's a positive, that is a positive of a big negative. Let's put it that way. Um, and we've had, we had a ton of fun doing it. Um, and you feel an accomplishment when you're done with it, you know? So pretty cool. No doubt. There's always a silver lining, right? And it's just a matter yeah. in life of finding that silver lining. You said he has a Tacoma, right? I don't remember yeah. what type of truck boy drives. So where, like, how big is it? Where did you like cleanly install it? Did it go in the grill somewhere or like, how'd you do so, it? So the light bar is in the grill, and then he's got two um, of the three-inch cubes on the A-pillars. Cool. Okay, so right below the windshield there. And that, the installation of the light bars and all that stuff was super simple. But the Switch Pro, we had to put it in the headliner. Oh. And it's an eight-switch little system. Uh, so we had to pull the headliner down and put run wires through the dash and 
um, through the firewall and all that type of stuff. And it was just uh, quite Involved. the adventure. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. Did, did, go ahead. That that truck doesn't have those side curtain airbags then, clearly, right? Otherwise, you would oh, have no, punched in the face. Oh. It does. But, <laughs> but we, uh, you know, obviously unhooked the battery when we started ah. messing with stuff. And, See, um, they're no fun. You should just poke it. <laughs> Pop that headliner off and poke it with a stick. <laughs> right. <laughs> poke it with a stick. <laughs> yeah. So it's funny you mentioned the airbags. We pulled that, that trim piece off, and Boyd's like, what is that? I said that's an airbag. And you said tell him to poke it with a stick and find out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so speaking not of internet video, not outdoors related hardly, um, but it was definitely a, a you know we had fun doing it for the last. Of day. course it is, man. He's gonna go outdoors and turn on that big old nasty light and shine it in the eyes of every coyote Which... for three miles and shoot it. Yeah, <laughs> totally yeah, the same totally thing. They're not gonna do. That. <laughs> hopefully, it doesn't at night. Not at yeah. So anyhow. Yeah, enough of that, but it, uh, it's pretty cool. I mean, Dude, have you ever seen videos of people sitting on airbags and then shooting them off, like, from a steering wheel? Another yeah. wonderful use of your time on the internet. People get lifted, like, 5 to 10 feet in the air. Like, we're, completely <laughs> lifted. We're going to have Nick sit on, a, sit on an airbag during the podcast. <laughs> we start talking too much, we're just going to shoot it off. Rob and I have the controls. <laughs> well, we might actually crest 1 million downloads, finally. <laughs> hey, that's hey. W- w- will you be willing to do that, Nick, to grow the podcast? Dude, I'll take one for the team. Right, right on. We what have you guys been up to? Yeah, you're next, Nick. What, what's up with you, man? You chastise me for talking too much, and then you ask uh-huh. me a question. Uh-huh. Taste your own medicine. <laughs> um, well, in in the same vein as what your wife uh, was talking about, Rob, there's been a lot of family moments over here at the Casa de McMurray. Um, we capitulated and got a couple of fish. My kids have been wanting another pet besides their little chihuahua. And I'm an animal lover, so I'm all about it. And uh, the other night, I got them all fired up, just stoking their fire about getting something. And uh, my wife hates rodents. So, of course, I was like, we should get, like, a gerbil or a hamster or a guinea pig. And I got them all fired up. They were all about it. Like, they had already started naming it, deciding how many we were going to get. And it was right before bedtime, so then my wife and I walked out, and she was shaking her head. So we settled on a fish, and uh, yesterday we made the pilgrimage to Petco and bought a couple of aquariums and scooped up a couple of betta fish and uh, um, made me start thinking, I want to learn how to do that to where things will live, because I have no idea how to do any of that. And uh, it'd be pretty cool to sneak a game fish or two in there and, and start feeding it. Have you guys ever known anyone that's had like a pet bass or anything? I know it's probably frowned upon, but yeah. my uh, for sure, my brother, my nephew and brother-in-law had a tank, um, an absolutely giant tank with largemouth in it. Um, they were it was completely legal the way they did it, um, and wow. they purchased them somewhere. It was awesome. Um, on on another note with that, Boyd is a fish tank guru. Oh. Like, like he's i don't know if he's a guru but he thinks he is let's put it that way so much so that like i think four of the kids on the asu baseball team ended up getting their own fish tanks because all boyd would do is come to the clubhouse and talk about his fish tank he's got a couple weird little things that he's good at that's hilarious dude yeah so he um he had a saltwater tank at his rental house over there by the um by the uh ballpark and he had um, a freshwater tank also. So pretty cool. Um, anyhow, so he'll be your guy, and he can tell you what water quality you need and what kind of fish you can you can do next. So Cool, man, because I made the mistake last night. I you know I have zero confidence in what I'm doing. And so I, like, read all the packaging. I'm like, okay, you got to rinse everything off. You know, they put the fear of God in me that if you don't, like, sanitize everything, the fish are just going to hit the new water and die instantly. So I did everything, and I dropped my daughter's they got two separate tanks because I guess those fish don't get along. And uh, that thing like just was living right near the surface and not moving. And I could tell it's little pectoral fins weren't moving much either. So I made the mistake of saying, I don't think that one's going to make it. It looks pretty sick. I think it's going to die. <laughs> and my daughter started crying oh. and crying. And I was like, Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Take a breath. Like still alive for the moment. <laughs> it just doesn't look very good. Like, Note to self, don't tell your seven-year-old daughter that its fish is already dead and it's uh, going to get pretty pretty bad. But Scarlet is still alive at last check, and so it must have just been resting or something. So It's been That's a traumatic all. day for, for Scarlet. Dude, no kidding, right? Living in that tiny little cup. That's a, a beta fish, the more I thought about it, 
That's it. It's, so it's an air breather too. So it like gulps air and then just kind of does its thing, living there, getting dumped into a new tank. My son was carrying his. He put the seatbelt. He put it in the seat next to him in the van, and then buckled the seatbelt for it. <laughs> Hilarious, dude. Safety first. I yeah. actually knew a guy that had a. This is highly legal, I'm sure. Um, and this is going back about ten years. But for over a whole winter in Arizona, he ha- uh, de- somehow dechlorinated his pool, and he kept about seven to ten bass in his pool. And, nice. Uh, he'd let his grandkids go out there and catch them and stuff. They'd come over on the weekends and they'd, they'd catch them. And when it was time, when the water was starting to get too hot, it was time to bring them, whatever, bring them back or take them out, just whatever he did. He probably shouldn't have brought them back. Probably just take them out, <laughs> eat them or something. Uh, that's the safest thing to do, probably. He, he well, caught them all, but there was one that they just absolutely couldn't catch. They all bit right away, except for one. And one was so hard to catch, but... He mentioned that they all sat down at the uh, at the bottom of the drain where the I guess the filter is at. You know, there was, the pool was all the same color, but they, that was the only different differentiator in like in the bottom. You know, a contour, not contour, but even just composition. Like a little piece of structure. Yeah. <laughs> so they, they all just chilled there every day, all day long. That's wow. great. That's Dude, have cool. you ever been to the uh, Asian supermarket? I think it's on Warner. Lulu's. It- yeah, I've Lulu's, heard about dude. this. They have large, they have live largemouth bass in there. Maybe that's where I could go to buy one, somewhat legally, and uh, and dump it in. Because that that was my goal when we were kids. Um, what after my parents sold their business, we had like 15 minutes of you know new money, and so we were crazy. My parents were going nuts for a brief, brief moment. We actually had a a, a private airplane, and so we were living part time Phoenix, part time Wyoming. My brother and I caught a bass out of one of the little local urban ponds, and it was like a 10-incher. Dude, we put it on a, in a no, bucket with a little aerator, put it on the plane. No, you didn't. Flew it to Wyoming, and my brother was a junior in high school, and his biology teacher was cool as hell, Mr. Gregory. Dude, they kept it in a fish tank, a 55-gallon fish tank. The thing got to like 14 or 16 inches, so I mean it had like grown and grown and grown. And uh, it shared the tank with whatever freshwater eel species they had. I don't know anything about those. But uh, somehow that eel, like, knocked the lid off of the tank over a weekend one time because that thing was all about, like, that was just what it did. It jumped or something. And the bass jumped out and died. But it had a long run, dude. It had a long run. They would, like, feed it minnows, and it was, like, super aggressive. Uh, Pretty cool. So it was kind of rekindling that excitement. I was like, I need to do that. Nice, right on. Well, Lulu's might be the place for you to get it, legally. Yeah. For Josh, sure. what's up with you, man? I see a neck beard over there. How are things for you? I think uh, I think things are different since I saw you last week. Yeah, well, um, on the fishing front, I'm just kind of doing the same thing, man. I mean, I, basically during this quarantine, I shave my neck beard and my mustache before I have to do important videos for sponsors. So, judging by the length here, it's been about four been a while. days. Yeah, it's been about four days since I've had to do anything important, and I don't have to do anything important until Wednesday. So I'm going to ride this out until Wednesday and just shave then. So it's, it's so if I could suggest, you know, knock the neck beard down, but dude, rock that stash, man. That is a good looking stash. <laughs> it's hilarious. The only thing about it is you can't kiss your kids, man. That's what's sad. Like you, I feel guilty kissing them on the cheek or something because like it's got to hurt. <laughs> maybe when it gets long like rob's it actually like the way it mats down like that it's, it's at a length now where it's they stick out like needles but yeah. once it starts yep. where you yep. comb it down it'd be better <laughs> rob needs the curl that's where rob's oh, yeah. going he needs oh, yeah. like that nice little like and get like some kind of wet gross stuff so it like <laughs> has like a point to it <laughs> right. i got it i had one other thing that took place uh, in the last couple days Oh, Whoa. he shaved his head. Nice, dude. Right on. That's the COVID haircut. It just uh, went a little far, I think. But my wife, honestly, twice has laughed so hard she starts crying. <laughs> I love it, dude. That thing looks like I want to rub it. And is it white hair, robbers? Or just a white scalp? No, it's, it's, tell it's just my gray short hair. It's literally so an eighth funny, inch long. Terrible. I love it, dude. It's a crappy job, too. So That looks whatever. awesome better than it was we're gonna post well, can really, we pay hey, rob can we post a picture on our instagram maybe not no <laughs> <laughs> too late i already screenshotted you it's terrible <laughs> great thanks well clearly really josh cool. is unimpressed with this i see his yellow uh notepad over there so it must be time to talk about Let's something get to some anyone fishing. else wants a little to bit hear. of fishing yeah um 
Yeah, let's talk about my fishing. I want to talk about me. <laughs> yeah, there you yeah. go. Yeah. No, All circles back. I actually got to take Emma, my daughter, out for the first time, just the two of us. So I've That's taken awesome. her out on the boat a few times, Chantel and I, and not at ideal times, but I was excited because we're here in the springtime, which I'm never home in the spring. Uh, and I got to take her to one of my favorite lakes by myself, and it was awesome. She was so patient. I, You know... I didn't get live bait or anything like that. And it was mainly because I didn't think we could catch a bunch of bluegill. Like the bluegill hadn't like grouped up shallow, really, really good yet. They're just kind of, you see them, but they're all around. And I'm like, man, we got a better chance to catch bass than bluegill. So that's kind of what we did. Um, we, we got to the lake. She was, we got to the lake about seven o'clock, seven thirty, and I'm like, "Well, we'll see how long this lasts. We might fish until eight or eight thirty, do a boat ride or two, and then turn around. It's a long way to go." But she hung in all the way until like eleven thirty, and she was gonna stay longer, but it was just so hot. I mean, she, that's, it was a hundred. Dude, how degrees. hot was it at eleven thirty? That's what I was gonna say. It that's was a hundred, man. We we sat up under a bridge for thirty minutes to cool off, you know. But she was great, yeah. man. She she'd fish a little bit and then uh, chill, have a snack. We'd go for a ride. She really, just like Nick told me, he said, hey, if you catch a fish, put it in the live well and let her watch it. And she loved it. I mean, she checked the live well 50 times, just like you said she would. And it uh, buys some time, doesn't it? It, oh. it does. It's, uh, you know, it's like, hey, you know, she starts to get a little bored. Hey, how about you check on your friend back there, you know? <laughs> so we kept the first large mouth in the live well, and we caught a small mouth right at the end of the day. And I posted this video on my Instagram. Uh, I should put it on ours, too, for English Happy Hour, but... Um, it was a small mouth. So I get it in the boat and she knows a lot of different fish. She's really into animals and fish, but the funniest, the funniest thing was, you know, we, we get in the boat, she helps me reel it in and, uh, I hold it up and show her and she's like, it's a catfish. <laughs> <laughs> Cause it was brown and looked different, you know? Yep. Uh, and I, I was like, well, we can put him in with, uh, you know, with his friend. And she's like, no, no. Like she, she knew that they were different types of fish and she didn't want to mix them, you know? So we, she nice. wanted to throw him right back into the water. That's Dude. funny. Whether you're, how old is Emma? Is she five? Four? Three. Three. Yeah. No, that's right. She's three. Dude, whether you're three, 33, or 63, people think everything's a catfish. Have you encountered that, dude? Like, people that aren't into fishing, and you show them a picture, like, oh, it's a catfish. <laughs> there are more than that in the world. I don't know if you've experienced that, but I definitely it's hilarious. Have. I guess all my friends are just bass nerds, dude, because it doesn't yeah, happen to yeah. me as much. Maybe maybe I'm just hanging out with not, not enough of a diverse crowd. Yeah, no kidding. Get more cultured. Yeah, okay. <laughs> That's Dude, funny, man. I'm, I'm glad she dug the live well. That's single-handedly as a kid um, going on, like, guide trips and fishing trips with people who had boats like that. That is where I learned how dang sharp the dorsal fin in those areas on bass and blue guy. Man, you stick your hand in there, and you start trying to pet them, and they, they get you. You have to know what you're, you know, where you can touch it. That was the first thing I showed her on that fish. Like, <laughs> you can't touch it here, here, or here. And, you know, you can pet its head. You can hold it in the mouth, but, you know, you cannot grab it from on top or near its gills, for sure. And she'll get it eventually because kids are just so curious. Did your and kids, I remember did kid your kids like, get can poked? I touch it? This, oh, can I do Oh. <laughs> Have your kids been poked? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because right. if you get, you know, if you get a couple of bluegill in there, then it, it becomes quite a party. So I'm glad you had some success, dude. That's cool. How did you catch? So for me, I always went the route with bait, thinking like a slip float and a mealworm was more, um, I don't know, like, an easier transition to it for a new kid to fish. How did you catch them, dude, on a drop shot or something? Yeah, and you're totally right. And I, I was gonna, I would have done that if I knew where I could go sure. do it. But the bass are easy enough to catch out there. You know, I literally just had a crankbait on for her without hooks. <laughs> and she was <laughs> yes, just casting perfect. it, you know, and just ta just whipping around. You not, you know, she'd sometimes cast, sometimes just chill. And um, I would just hook the fish and have her reel in a minute. Okay. Oh, cool. you know, I, I definitely want to get her to do the whole thing soon, but she's just not quite there yet to do the Dude, whole thing. Three is hooks. young. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm hoping, yeah. you know, within a year, but she, she just, the, I was really encouraged by the fact that she just was down to just be out there all day. Like she would have chilled all day long, which I just wasn't sure if she was going to be like that or not. So, and who knows, maybe next time she won't, but she was, Maybe it's because she's been cooped up in the house for the last six weeks, and anything is fun. I, I thought maybe that was part of it, too. Definitely could be. Rob, how old is that? Is Boyd in that picture where he's holding, like, the 17-pounder? 17-pounder? I don't know. what You know that big fish mouth? that he's holding? I've got him. He's holding a big, fat smallmouth. I think he was, like, six in that photo. Okay. But he caught his first 
fish on his own when he was like three, three and a half uh, on Lake Powell. And I had him a little Scooby rod with a, a Yamamoto grub and a jig head. And nice. literally oh, like artificial this. bait. Dang, dude. Yeah, just just zinging it around. And we filled the live well with these little teeny small mouths. And and I know I've said this on the podcast before, but he literally loved them to death, like just messing with them. And they <laughs> <laughs> excuse me. But it was. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's you can buy so much time. And and if Emma's just enjoying being on the boat, dude, that's a win right there. Dude, good job. Yeah, nice job. That's all it takes, man. I think you just got to have some fun out there. And uh, the the technical side of it is soon to come. Yeah, yeah. I'm hoping we can graduate into that slowly. But um, so it was fun. Um, We've got a couple cool topics today, and I want to get into them in a minute. What what I did was I posted on Instagram and asked some of our listeners for feedback. Um, And I got some some great messages and some great questions, so we'll go into it. First, I want to talk about Nick's boat. Uh, buying experience that he's still working on. And then um, one last note from last episode, I thought it was hilarious. I was talking to Justin Lucas about some of Meyer's stories that he told, and these stories were a hit. I, uh, we, we had a lot of great feedback from last week's episode, which I thought we would just because Cody was so funny. But he said, uh, Lucas, you know, in the story where um, JR was having all the night terrors, Lucas was there for both of them one he was riding in the back of the truck and one he was sleeping in between the two beds on the floor so <laughs> on the one where jr got up you know and, and in the middle of the night just goes they're coming they're here <laughs> uh lucas said uh you know uh, that's where he pulled the sheet over his head and stuff but he, he said the next morning jr gets up and justin's like dude you know do you realize what you did last night and he's like no tell me and he tells him the whole you know what he said he's like oh i must have had that dream again Oh, wow. So, Freaky probably had that same dream over and over again. Poor guy. He might Having to live with that. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Apparently, it was a regular occurrence. but uh, Dude, you wonder. Yeah, you dig down. That who's coming, right? Like, that's... That's scary having to have that yeah. dream over and over again. <laughs> They're coming. They're here. He lives a double life. He must be in, like, witness relocation. He probably was, like, in an East Coast mafia or something. <laughs> He was part of Sopranos gang. <clears throat> so I don't really know how to tackle this boat buying subject. We're going to dig a little deeper into it today. Just, uh, just because. Cause I so suck much... at it so bad. I well, need some... well, it's here's, hard. Here's, here's what Josh and I continually get. We get boats from 8,000 up to $50,000. What do you think of this one? What do you think of this one? And I'm totally down with that. We just need to break down a budget. What, what's your budget, man? Well, that I don't I don't mean that literally. I just my point is, is there's so many different options out there um, and you've unveiled a whole bunch of different places to find them. Right. And maybe dig into that a little bit, because, I mean, when you're looking for a boat, it's hard to feel like you're looking at everything that's available with so many different outlets nowadays with Facebook and Boat Trader and you name it. I mean, you, you found them on Instagram, right? I mean, you found them everywhere. Yeah, I haven't, I dude, that's a great comment, Rob. I haven't found him on Instagram, but there's got to be a page where, you know, I know I'm a car guy, obviously, so I know the car sites on, or the car pages on Instagram that have them. Um, Josh has continued to find them for me on Craigslist, and I kind of forget about Craigslist, even though that was like, that was my come up when it comes to window shopping and tire kicking. So Craigslist has been good locally. For one of the parts that's been challenging for me is, you know, it's hard between the coronavirus quarantine and then family life. You know, I think maybe the first criteria is how far are you willing to travel or are you willing to ship a boat? Because, you know, a lot of the platforms like Facebook has tons of them between marketplace and groups on Facebook. Um, Those boats, you know, gosh, dude, we live in the Southwest. You see deals. Josh made the joke to me in a text. It was like, if we lived in Florida, we could have bought like 10 boats for me already because like the deal, the boats are just over there, dude. Like whether they're mediocre deals, good deals, crappy deals, they're just, it's going on in the Southeast and out here in the Southwest. It's just, it's a desert, man. Whether you're, you know, literally or figuratively, it's a little bit harder. So I think trying to figure out your, your radius, you're willing to go, um, there's a killer group on Facebook that I've joined. It's like bass boats and accessories. And that's normally where I'm sending you all that eye candy to yep. tease you about. Cause I mean, there's good stuff, but locally it's been more like Craigslist and offer up and Josh found me a sweet one on Craigslist. 
and I was a day late and a dollar short. It sold the first day. The poor lady was a widow um, unexpectedly. And, uh, dude, what was that, Josh? Like a 2001 21-foot Skeeter or something? It was, yeah, yeah, I think it was, yep. And the best part, Rob, is that it was Hunter Forest Green, the like color metallic was, gel coat. It's like my dad's favorite color. He's the only one. <laughs> With red seats, dude. I felt like Santa oh. Claus coming in on his sleigh. It would have been so... Like, I liked that because, you know, I mean, I like ugly, ridiculous stuff. So it would have been a good fit in my universe. But I missed out on that one. I had good electronics. You know, and then you start running into, like, um, what what you want the boat to have. So, like, you want it to have updated electronics. And, like, I really want to get a trolling motor with the iPilot on it. You know, all of those filters just make it more challenging. And, you know, Boat Trader has been a good site. But there's not a lot of stuff on Boat Trader that isn't from a dealer. And then you're looking at sales tax, you know, and some of those costs that you're not looking at private party. So, dude, I'm already indecisive. You throw all that at me and here I am just, two months later talking about the same It's thing. really risky to, to go a long way for a used boat. Like if it's a, a, a fairly new used boat, like if it's a one or two year old boat with plenty of warranty left, it's not that Different big of a story. deal to get in your truck and drive to Texas to go buy one. But if you're talking about a 15 year old boat, you know, it's a, it's a one in every five of those things are going to look like you expect them to look or want them to look right. So you, yeah. you just can't go to Texas. And my dad and I, one time, this was like, gosh, probably how old was I? I was like 16 or 17. This was going to be our, our second legit bass boat that we had. And, you know, it was an older boat. It was like a 98 boat. And we found it in Northern California up by the Delta near Sacramento. Uh, so we drive all the way up there and the boat is actually beautiful. Um, the gel coat looks great. It's, it was, it was a really pretty boat. So we ended up getting it and, um, we drive it home and, uh, on the way home, the trailer, apparently there were major trailer brake problems and, um, we're driving like, I can't even remember that. Maybe it's, does I five go through Bakersfield, Rob and Nick, do you guys know? Yes, I believe so. I think we're on five. Anyways, there's just miles of like golden dried out grass and it's like September. And um, we look back and we see smoke just bellowing out of the right (laughs) side of the trailer. So we pull off and there's we get back and there are literally flames shooting out uh, from the hub. And literally, I mean, we're six inches from this grass where we're just going to start oh my goodness. <laughs> with a flamethrower. <laughs> so they called so, that the Bertrand fire. It was 30,000 acres. No kidding, kidding, man. Yeah. Th- thank God, dude. My dad somehow had the foresight. He was always the, he's always the guy that packs like Nick's dad's the same way, dude. Oh. Like they pack so much. And like my dad carries so much random stuff in his vehicles. And he always had like a five gallon jug of water in the back of his truck always like just for this situation and he he never used it for 10 years you know but dude sure enough man when the trailer is on fire uh you know right next to a, a big dry grass field he has got this instantly this has it water. totally under control oh yeah dude so we put it out and uh but but that's just where the story started it was a nightmare experience from that point on uh getting really? thing back home and then uh, just the boat itself was a nightmare too even though it looked what good. a shame yeah yeah that's a shame because it's i mean it that guy knew what he was selling too right had to have right yep and i mean we only made it 100 miles, miles dude or 200 miles yeah i don't know i saw a funny picture in light of this um your little scenario have you seen it's a meme rolling around and it's a picture of a trailer and like the you can see through the wheel into like the hub and it is glowing glowing orangish red like yep yours and then it said what do you do when this light comes on like it's a check engine light <laughs> maintenance time man yeah exactly something needs some maintenance in there <laughs> yeah, one hilarious. thing that I, one thing that in this process of of looking at used boats um i'm blown away at the price on them i mean <sighs> they're I, expensive right now man yeah i mean my my boat is i don't know 11 years old or whatever and i feel like it's worth a certain amount and i have the Altrex, I've got Gen 3 Lawrence units, Talons. I mean, it's a loaded boat as far as the accessories go. Um, it's older and a little beat up, but it's, I feel like it's worth 10 grand less than a ton of these boats are the same year with the original trolling motor on there, with the original electronics. And, you know, people just, 
I don't understand it. And maybe they're just that deep into a financing deal on them and they still owe that amount of money on them. I don't know. That's but, a decent point. Yeah. But I mean, a 12 year old 20 foot Triton, in my opinion, is not worth 28 grand. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's my, yeah. Take, it's, you know? The but. the only problem with, with bass boats, once you get out of that warranty period is it doesn't matter if it's one day out of warranty or 20 years yep. out of warranty, the odds of a, it blowing up, no matter what type of motor it is, it's you know it it, it no just doesn't up. change with age, right? So right. like, right. you know, the warranty is such a big deal. It's such a yep. big deal when you're buying a, a V6 or a V8 motor. Because outboards are just like concrete; they're guaranteed to crack at some point. Well, sure, I like it. Ooh man, how long have you been waiting to tell that one? I like it. Yeah, that's pretty been? good. Long time, but it's the <laughs> truth. I mean. Especially when they're run hard, you know. My boat right now is is a testament to a boat that's not run hard. It's run often, but like idling. I've got six hundred and fifty hours on my boat, I think, and seven hours are at full throttle. So that just tells you, like, majority of my hours are between three and four thousand RPMs. Your driving habits match the color of your beard. Gray. Yeah. Yes. Yep, yeah, very great. Very it wasn't like slow. that forever, for sure. No, nope, <laughs> yeah. no. Nope. I used to, I mean, all my other boats, it was either on, you know, dead stopped or full throttle. Now it's, I just putt around like an old guy. So it is what it is. But That's got to help. That's got to help, man. Just, yep. just trying to, you know, it's probably not good to never open it up. But yeah, if that, that, that 4,000 right. RPMs, you could just hear it in your motor. And we've talked about it it's before. Happy. You just hear yeah. how smooth it sounds and how easy it's running. You know what I mean? You're not necessarily plowing water. And every motor's a little different. Like I've noticed with the new four-stroke Merc, it's a little higher RPM. Like it's it's designed to run a little more than the two-strokes, yep. believe it or not. Uh, and they've, they're running a little different prop. So it's a little bit higher RPM for this thing. But for the two-stroke motors, it always seemed like 4,000, 4,200. It's just got great economy. It's smooth. And it just sounds sounds easy for it. How do you, Josh, how do you pre-fish on pre-fish days? Are you going full throttle everywhere you go? Dude. Are you, are you like real chill on those days? I, I'm assuming tournament days, you're going as fast as you can. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Time, time matters, but, but pre-fish days, are you just out there chill? Cause you're out there for so many hours or not? Not anymore, man. You know, so like when, like if I was fishing an open or something like that and I could pre-fish for four days, I would, yeah. I would definitely cruise but okay i mean now we get a day and a half for the bpt so like you got a lot of water to cover and sometimes man it's just you can't think about the fuel or you can't think about anything you just got to do it so it just depends i mean sometimes i'll laugh you know you're out on sawar lake on a tuesday you know afternoon or whatever and someone's running 70 you know and i get it's fun to like to experience that ride and i don't blame them at all for that but like I, I, if I don't have to be, I'm cruising. I'm, and we talked about it before. I'm looking around, looking for birds, looking for fish yeah. to bust, looking for a bank that's got a nice breeze on it to go fish. But uh, And you don't see that at 70, but sometimes in those pre-fishes, man, you're like, ah, I'm just at the wrong part of the lake. I got to go now. And, uh, yep. you just yep. get and that makes sense. And my sweet honey brown voice, ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> <laughs> you're right, dude. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Uh, so – I guess there's so many different things, but you know, if you're, if you're trying to buy a boat, man, just if you can ever try to get warranty, it's a huge, huge deal. So think, go ahead. Yeah. So enlighten me and anyone else who doesn't know what is kind of like, if you ask me on a car on a new car, most of the times like three years, 36,000 on like bumper to bumper and then five years and some higher mileage after that for powertrain. What does the typical like new boat warranty look like on a, on the motor? So the motors, they're going to range anywhere from three to 10 years. Three okay. is actually pretty standard. Okay. Um, sometimes if you buy during certain promotions, you get five years standard, and then you can purchase more. A couple of the uh, motor brands that don't sell as many motors and are really trying hard to compete to get have to throw share. out these ridiculous warranty cl- numbers like 10 years or something like that. Okay. Uh, but the, 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 probably the standard's three to five, right, Rob? Yeah, three to five, I think. Um, and unlimited like hours. Said, yeah, that? it's un- unlimited hours, and they don't they, and they don't mind if you're fishing <laughs> tournaments or guiding and stuff either. Man, yeah. they let you pretty much do whatever the heck you want with it. In my experience, I mean, it's, no one's you know probably harder on a motor than than me, and uh, I've never had any types of issues getting stuff warranted. Cool. Yeah. Um, 
And uh, so what are some red flags, Rob, that like if, if you are looking for that boat that's 10, 20 years old, what are some some things that you need to look at on the boat and the motor that are red flags not to buy it or, or signs maybe this boat was really well taken care of? I mean, obviously, you can just see how, how the boat, the wear and tear on it, the scratches, the dings, that type of stuff is pretty evident, right? Um, but, I mean, the things I'm concerned about are the trailer, because the trailer's got to tow it around, and you got to be able to get places with it, and the outboard. And, and those two things, I mean, the trailer's obviously pretty evident. You can just see what's going on. You're looking it. for rust or what? Yeah, yeah, just rust. um you know, axles, brakes, wear and tear on that stuff. Make sure your brakes are still hooked up. Make sure your all your lights on, on it work. Um, a trailer is, in most cases, if it's not rust, if it's anything other than rust, they're still pretty fixable. Rust is not fixable. <laughs> and yep. when I mean rust, I mean like going all the way through the frame. That just is not, obviously, you realize it's just junk at that point, right? Um, but the outboard is just the big question. And you, I guess when you buy a used boat that's older like that, you almost have to factor in what it's going to cost you to rebuild that lower unit or rebuild that top end, um, the power head, or replace the power head. Because let's say you pay twenty five grand for a boat that's worth twenty five grand, uh, and you blow the power head, all of a sudden you're thirty one thousand dollars into a twenty five. At least, man. Boat. You don't. Yeah, at least. And so you really, I mean, that really, in my opinion, drops the value of a boat when it doesn't have warranty because you. You got to have that insurance. At least it's a good um, bargaining tool when you're dealing with someone selling a boat. You know, so it's, in my opinion, they just lose a lot of value when you don't have that warranty. So, Rob, is there a way to? I'm sitting here. Your trailer inside is um, making me think, and I don't mean to go off on a tangent on that. You mentioned being able to make sure that the trailer brakes are working. Would you like hook it up to your truck? How would you be able to tell if they weren't engaging or if they're dragging? Like, is there an easy way yeah. to tell you? Not really. Not really. There's Other not, than, right? Yeah, just make sure they're still hooked up. Make sure there's not a excessive wear and tear on the rotors. And that's, okay. that's pretty basic stuff. But, you know, to rebuild a trailer that is solid is not going to cost you a fortune. So that's It's not that's, a power head or a right. lower unit. Right. right. But I one, got you. one thing I would run from, which is cur- in the last 15 years, these boat manufacturers have been putting trailers underneath them that are tube trailers uh-huh. versus, versus C channel. So the tubes get hold all that water. water. They hold water and they end up rusting out. It happened to my boat. I actually have a different trailer underneath it now because of that. Um, the C channel trailers, I mean, they could be cracked and you could re-weld them because it's such good steel, right? Um, and they don't hold water, so they're not going to rust from the inside out. Okay. Uh, so that's one thing, but Man, a lot of boats nowadays have those trailers underneath them, and they're just not they're not built to last, especially if you fish like I do, being a guide where you fish every day. That trailer never dries out. If you fish on the weekends, two days on the weekend, and dries out throughout the week, it definitely is going to have a little longer life to it. But, you know, my trailer literally never dried out, and that's why it just rusted from the inside out. It was, I mean, there was nothing left of that trailer when i took it out from underneath my boat unfortunately is there any way to avoid that dude like like i don't know i wonder if i wonder drill holes you would think if you drilled holes and shot wax shot wax in the frame it would protect it there's there's certain uh stuff that you can do like that but boy if that worked why wouldn't the manufacturers do that right yeah and why did they go to two trailers anyway because it's cheap it's cheap steel it's less expensive. They're building them super cheap so they can have cheaper steel. The tube is stronger, right? To have the C-channel to get the strength that's going to be higher, yeah. higher grade steel. Yeah. So not that I'm a genius with any of that stuff, but it's just I think it's that's pretty self-explanatory. I Dude, think yeah, you just dropped some nuggets right there. That totally makes sense. Yeah, so that's, I mean, as, as far as a trailer goes. But, and you know what it costs to replace a trailer? I mean, Yeah, I what did it? So, well, mine, I've got a... I, got lucky and found a used one and and i've got probably 1500 bucks into it but to replace it with what was underneath it originally from the factory that originally built the first one with a c channel was north of six grand wow yes i've seen some boats like on ugly aftermarket trailers 
terrible. Oh, they look terrible. so nasty they're, when they're on those big, <laughs> like stainless. Terrible. What are they? Aluminum trailers or whatever? They're terrible yeah, looking. So, I don't want to knock the brand, but man, they build a great trailer, but they're just not. They just don't look good. Yeah, the trailers like they're just they, they're bigger than they should be. They just they just yes. look awkward, man. Yeah, and they're real. Um, they're also real adjustable, so everything is bolted on versus mm. welded together to where they look clean. Makes right? sense. Yep. They, yeah. I mean, that's oh. just asking for problems down the road, too. Yep. I yep. got you. Right on. Well, that's good. Uh, hopefully, we'll keep you guys posted if Nick uh, finds some. And if you've got a great boat on, with a great deal, message it to us so Nick can buy it. And uh, we Cash can get hand. back to actual fishing talk uh, because he'll be on the water fishing. Um, okay. So here, here was one of my favorite questions that I got, guys. This guy, his name on Instagram, he goes by Dextraordinary. And um, he's asking, like, what our thoughts are on getting info for tournaments, going out for a fishing trip, getting you know, info from a different person on spots, you know, bait, stuff like that. Just our thoughts on it. Do we do it? Have we done it? And then if we have any stories of how info, like, went wrong, like maybe someone led you in a wrong, a bad direction on purpose or, or not on purpose, Um you know, and I'll start just by saying for the last three years under the rules that most of the major tours are under, there is no info. So like when I was fishing at Bass the last couple of years, it was no info at all. Now at Major League Fishing, it's no info. As soon as that tournament's announced, you can't get help. Um, I think Bass maybe actually reverted and went back to it. I'm not 100% sure, so I can't speak to that. But um, uh, do you guys off the top of your head have any instances where it helped or hurt you? Before well, fishing trip, I know of guys, and you, Josh, have to know of people too that were just the ultimate networkers, right? Oh yeah. And I mean, there's got there's guys that have made their career on networking and talking to people and figuring it, deciphering what's good and what's bad, right? There's a skill to that. I there, a hundred percent is, man. Some guys are so good at putting all those little pieces together; they can just throw the BS out and cling onto the one little nugget that makes sense. And the yep. longer you do it, the better you get at it. And um, it's like you have a conversation with someone without trying to tell them anything. And then afterwards you're like, good God, I'm going to see him on my start spot tomorrow. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it makes you, makes you wonder with the no information rule, how many guys have potentially struggled because of that. Right. And you could probably, if there was stats like there are in baseball, you It'd might be, be very interesting, man. There are, you know, they just have to put them together, but you'd have to put it together. Right. <laughs> but that's, but that's on the top level. I mean, we're all, I feel I shouldn't say we're all. I know I'm guilty of. Hey, I'm going here. Call a couple of buddies. What's oh, going yeah. on? What Me too. Get a starting point, right? And does it does it always work? No, but a lot of times it gets you in the right direction. A lot of times it gets you that information that's a week old, and you're just completely off. That's you know? a great point. You're not thinking for yourself. That that happens no. more often than not, dude. How about the fishing report in the paper for the last hundred years, right? People, no, nobody realizes that the fishing report's like from two weeks ago. Oh, and dude, it doesn't, they change like three words every two weeks. You know what right, I mean? It's, right, it, it, it would be so funny just to compile them all. Just look at yep. it. It's always the same. It's like a horoscope. If you're a Capricorn, you're going to have indigestion and good luck. And if you're a Leo, you're going to have indigestion and mediocre luck. That's hilarious. <laughs> it's exactly what it's like, dude. It's a bass fishing, or it's a fishing horoscope. Dude, on the... On the topic of sharing information, you know, I just, I single-handedly think my rise to bass fishing dominance that I've experienced over the last 10 years came completely out of uh, stealing all of your brain trust, Josh, and then uh-huh. you introduced me to Rob, who I, well, as a, a book and a guide, dude, like that was, I had no idea what I was doing. I was throwing jointed fire tiger Rapala crankbaits that I'd caught trout on with no clue, you know? So how do you decipher when someone is giving you a little nugget to work off of versus, you know, I, I think it's trial and error is the answer to that rhetorical question. But, you know, I, good information is good stuff. Cause it, you know, I, I've now kind of like you guys, I was just using you for fishing information for many years and uh, <laughs> it worked out pretty well. <laughs> Hilarious. Well, and, and I guess those are, I guess they're both technically information, right? Whether you're just hitting someone up that you don't know, it just depends on the source. And, and dude, yeah. I wouldn't be anywhere near where I'm at fishing wise without all of the different mentors that mentors. have taught me, you know, over the years. And it started out a long time ago with guys that would take me on the weekends. And uh, even now, you know, like if you go back to when I first started 
fishing competitively back east, there were sometimes I would show up with no idea what what I was doing and, and just luck into them. But there were plenty of times where I literally didn't have any clue. And if I wasn't like, if I didn't have a few friends and friends in other re- regions that were legit fishermen to teach me, okay, here's how you fish. Or this is this is good hydrilla. This is bad hydrilla. This is how hydrilla grows. It's different than other grasses because of this. And those are things you would ultimately learn over time. But if someone is legit and can just be like, dude, here, this region, the southeast has a lot of this type of grass, and this is what it does. That that speeds up your, your learning, learning curve so much instantly. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Same so, with river fishing and just every different thing like that. So think about the new guys, Josh, that are coming into the tournament series that have no information That's allowed. Tough, dude. How do they like it just it makes that learning curve a little tougher, right? It is. I mean, it's it's very tough. And they're competing against guys who have all that experience and in the past were in in a position to get help and get information and not everyone took advantage of that, but you know, if you go back before 3 years ago, there were plenty of guys and I did definitely did not every tournament, but there were a few tournaments a year where hey, I just happened to have a friend over there and of course you're going to call him when it's legal and uh, try to get some help and sometimes it did help and sometimes it didn't but i'll tell you since that that rule did go away uh it's helped me a lot like it, uh, just just for not having to to stress about what other people told you and just go do your own thing whether you do good or bad it's nice to just think on your own but that's that's because i had all those years of 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 training and teaching when it was you had some context you know what i mean yeah but it, but in general that evens the field right mm-hmm. it makes the fish it does fish. it does yep I, I love it and I, there are very few people that probably don't love it honestly but yeah you're right it, it's, it's tough for that guy that's coming in that now has to just tackle this beast by himself yep. uh completely have you ever like have you okay so have you ever had it go bad on you before like have you ever had a tip and it doesn't have to be like a guy telling you to go to a spot but maybe a bait or something like that where or a hook where you went out and lost fish on a certain hook or something like that uh I'm so, I'm drawing a blank. That's I, know okay. it, I know I know it has. I know I've had situations where it's completely affected me, but um, in a negative way also. But um, yeah, I can't think of anything off the top of my head right now. My mind just goes to the story I said where I I think it was just even last week. So that's probably why it's. In I my remember head. it. But, yeah, dude, running over your waypoint. That's a giant boulder. That was. Yeah, we, <laughs> we talked about that one a week too soon. I thought about that one for sure, dude. It's hilarious. It's, it's perfect uh, for this very applicable <laughs> to many different topics oh yeah I, okay i was at a smallmouth tournament uh probably four years ago five years ago it was the first time i went to st Clair, so maybe even five or six years ago second time i've been to st Clair, um and it was a weird tournament because they weren't they were keying in on bigger baits like normally i'll be drop shotting like like pretty small stubby smallmouth baits like we've talked about in the past different gull baits and max scent baits but this tournament, they wanted a bigger piece of plastic. And we were using these baits that had like that, that really stretchy high float plastic. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's an interesting material, but what the worst part about it is it, even though it's so soft, it's so elasticy that a lot of times it's hard to hook fish because it just bends and then snaps right back. And the hook point will not like penetrate into the fish. Am I doing it? Do you guys, you know, can you picture what I'm talking about? Yes, like for that sure. 3x style plastic. Yep. Super stretchy, last like you can catch 50 fish on one bait, but you also lose 50 fish on, while you're uh, <laughs> in the process. Um, so I, I'm like losing fish throughout the course of the tournament, and I'm just using like a big drop shot hook. And um, I'm like, dang, dude! Like it's the last day. I'm fighting to get into the classic. I'm right on the bubble of getting into the classic, and I'm rooming with Justin Lucas, and he's fishing the same bait, and he's losing fish too. And there's another guy in the tournament, Jacob Rosnick. And uh, Jacob is just a hammer of all types of fishing, just a stud. And he's not, he's like, I haven't lost a fish all week. And uh, he's like, well, what kind of hook are you using? And he uh, tells him the morning, like the morning of the last day of the turn of the last day of the tournament. And we could share information amongst each other. That's something that we were still able to always do. So, you know, he, Justin texts me, he goes, Hey dude, it's a straight shank hook. And I'm like, and I get it, like, literally as I'm about to idle out. Like, they're about to start calling numbers. So I text back, Texas rig? Like, how are you rigging it? What are you, what are you doing? And uh, n- nothing back because he already shut his phone off to idle out. So I'm like, well, Peraza that was not hasn't my lost accident, one all I week. 
and I trust Justin. So, dude, I take my drop shot hook and I put a straight shank hook on this thing and I Texas rig it. And I'm like, this just, it's on a drop shot, but it's Texas rigged on the drop shot. I'm like, mm-hmm. this just doesn't make sense. There's just so much stretchy plastic here. I don't know how the hook's ever going to penetrate out of this plastic, but well, I'm going to try it, dude. I'm losing them anyways. And, and, you know, that's what he said. So, and he didn't do this to harm me at all. Like, he assumed that I would know how to, what the heck to do with this thing. So I get out there, dude, and I lose like the first four, four, four pounders I hook. And I'm uh. like, Screw it. I'm going back to the drop shot hook, dude. And uh, I go back to the drop shot hook and it, it's better, lose but I still three. lose a bunch more. I, I barely, I ended up barely sneaking into the classic. <clears throat> uh, all, all this to say, I get back in and I tell him, dude, what the heck are you talking about? I lost my first four fish. And he's like, no, you thread it on like a jig head, dude. You don't what? Uh, Texas rig it. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. You thread it on. So the hook's exposed. Yep. You know, so, and it works amazing. I've been doing it, you know, on big baits ever since, uh, in certain scenarios, but, um, I, huh. I just didn't, I hadn't even thought of, I had only used that style of hook to Texas rig before. Um, so yeah. I just, I took it the wrong way and it ended up almost costing me. Was that large mouth or small mouth? All smallies. Smallies. Yep. Yep. Well, yeah. Cause so often, I mean, I guess you do, you know, if you're throwing a swim bait or something, you leave the hook exposed, but. Yeah, my instinct too. If you're going to, especially drop shots, it's like you'd rig it weedless. So I would have done the same thing, thinking you just bury it back in itself, and and that's that. I'm like, well, it must work somehow. It yeah, didn't. yeah. <laughs> At all. That plastic just bunches up on itself, and then the, the hook doesn't penetrate. Oh yeah, you anything. fight them for like until <laughs> they get to the surface, and then they just spit it out instantly. Uh, but that was funny. I've done it. I've done it on accident to other people too. Like. Um, well, we talked, Scooter brought this one up before, but I just, we were at Pleasant when we had Scooter on for the first guide story, he told us this, but we were at Pleasant one time in January, like toughest bite ever, toughest bite ever, can't catch anything, and it's like one o'clock in the afternoon, there hadn't been a fish that chased a shad on the surface in a month, and I just was like, we, I think both had caught like zero to two fish, and we're texting each other like, what the heck can we do to get these guys on some fish, we both had trips, and I'm like, dude, they're boiling in the marina, I just thought, like, that's the last place they'd ever boil in January. It's just like a one in a billion. And I thought it was a funny joke. Like, he would just take it as a joke, dude. <laughs> so, I was, we were in there drop shotting. And 15 minutes uh, goes by, and here comes Scooter into the marina. And I'm like, oh, crap, dude. Like, he took, <laughs> took this seriously. <laughs> he sat down and tied all sorts of baits for boiling fish. <laughs> I looked like all class. the way out of the back of Coles and came all the way down into the marina. The best uh, part would have been had he caught him doing that then. Oh, it would have, yeah. Of course, yeah. It, of course it didn't work out like that. But, yeah, yeah. I deserved – hopefully he at least got a tip that day. But um, and, and on the guiding front, yeah, how funny is it when you're on a guide trip and someone comes up to you and starts to give you – like you've been having whatever type of day you're having, but someone that – could, That could single-handedly be one of the worst things ever. It, I, I knew but, you'd just go off on this one. Oh, the biggest kick like, in the shins to Rob you could ever do. If you ever see Rob on the dock, big time in front of clients. Oh, yeah. Like – my favorite thing is when you got a really accomplished fisherman that's fished his entire life, right? Not a great bite, but he goes out and smashes a few big ones and catches some fish. And then he comes by your clients and is like, yeah, we're killing them, man. Absolutely. How does he not bet, not know better, dude. Yeah. Put that filter on terrible. Yeah. It never fails too. like your client maybe asked you earlier in the day, like you ever throw crankbaits and you're like, no, this drop shot works a lot better. Like we throw them, but this is better. And the guy would be like, cranking all day dude that's how we caught those three sixes <laughs> never From mind Alabama. the fact that it's like the most technical difficult cranking scenario that someone couldn't do exactly and that that yeah. that's and so maybe the guy wasn't even lying but yeah you got to feather it over the grass and know exactly where to throw it and stuff throw it on a the, bait caster. The clients don't know that you know <laughs> yeah that's um you kind of you, you kind of get to know the guys that'll do that to you so you avoid them when you're guiding no doubt. Yeah. Not that not that there's a lot of guys that do it. There's some that just want to tell you how they're catching them, right? And nothing wrong with it. But I yeah. saw a funny article. Sorry to cut you off, Rob. We got some choppiness going on. Hopefully it doesn't uh, parlay into the recording too much. But I saw an article pop up on Wired to Fish, and uh, the author, I think it's one of the main guys there, was talking about how he got big time at a tackle shop, and the guy just <laughs> like, one, did you read it, Josh? And like yeah. to his face, like belittled his writing at wired to fish and like just just cluelessly belittled this guy and it's like man th- those types are out there though 
One of my favorite big leagues was on Saguaro Lake about eight years ago. Um, the fish were spawning, right? It was just, it was a really good bite. And I'm on the water. I'm coming off the water with a client. I think we caught four good fish. The guy was a pretty much a beginner fisherman, but he caught four really good fish that day. And he was so excited. This dude launches and he's like, do you guys kill him? I'm like, yeah, we caught, you know, like four good fish. And he's like, oh, man, last week I was here. So like an entire week in the spawn is like a year, right? Oh, no, no, very good point. Yep. It's, I mean, so much stuff happens <laughs> in a week in spawn bite. And he's like, we did this, we did that, we did this. I wanted so badly to hand him a card and say, hey, let me know how you do today, bud. Like when, like, it, I know it's kind of a dick thing on my part, but it was just like, things change man and that oh, yeah. guy had he didn't realize that things changed that fast and he Did was you gotta carry like a he big was, giant uh, sorry rob he was bragging on a week ago and you just can't do that right yeah, yeah. that's you gotta carry like a big buck knife and as he's just ran i just like walk over to his trailer and just like, <laughs> like hit one of his tires and be like you know i didn't feel something. that bad about it but <laughs> Dude, it's every lake changes every day. And like it's it's real easy to see tournament weights and be like, Oh, dude, you know, I caught more than those guys or you know, those guys suck or this or that. But if you're not out there in that situation on that day, and yep. even for the morning to the afternoon, it could be a hundred eighty degree difference. So, um it, you know, it's funny how we took this one and ran ran with it. We're kinda even off the info thing, but I guess it's still kinda talk it's the same thing on that info because someone it tells is. you something one day and it's Dude, it's just different tomorrow, and it's yep. you know you got to know how to use it and um, or, or just completely block it out, you know. And there's guys it with a grain of salt. Yeah, exactly. I know some of the best fishermen um, on tour that are completely opposed to info, and um, it's been they've had great careers. But every once in a while, dude, they will literally go out and just be in the complete wrong part of the lake just because they boxed everything else out and like they were just completely off the entire time and that'll happen the next time they'll 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 follow their instincts and, and crush them but um it you know it's that's what happens yeah. hmm. uh well right on that was that was pretty good um I'm trying to see what else what else do we have here got a couple notes that i wrote down that i literally don't even remember what they're about um <laughs> <laughs> those are good well at least you can read them usually i can't even read my notes so and that's a problem too um Okay, well, anyways, um, we'll get to these other questions uh, over the next couple episodes. So, please, yeah, keep yeah, hitting us up with these. That was a great topic uh, for the guy that brought that up. And I've got more uh, from the messages I've had that we'll save. But if you have more ideas of just – if you want to just tell us a story or give us a topic, send it over to us, message it to us, put it in the comments on uh, iTunes. Um, I wanted to ask you guys, have you guys been watching uh, the Michael Jordan documentary? Not ESPN. yet. I'm still on. I'm still halfway through Ozark. So gotcha. once we get done with that, we'll get on to that one. This so. is you'll you'll dig this one. I think. What do you think? Have you seen it, Nick? Have you watched any of it? I'm not a big baseball guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't watched it yet either. I've heard it's pretty good though. <laughs> it's pretty legit. I think. Uh, I think you guys will both enjoy it. We won't go into it until you guys see it. But it's uh, right on. I, I was always a big sports fan, still am, and basketball is like my worst sport. But yeah, that's um, not your sport. It's just cool to see that type of domination and competitiveness, and just the different parts. They they don't just talk about Michael Jordan. Every episode's almost about a different part of the whole thing. So there's like an episode that really talks about Scottie Pippen, and another one that talks about Dennis Rodman. Obviously, that was a very interesting episode, uh, the Dennis Rodman one. But even the Scottie Pippen one was interesting because Michael is just the only guy you ever hear about. Um, but that whole team was just full of studs. Right on. Yeah. And, uh, well, uh, you guys got anything else before we uh, cut this off after that weird little minute? Oh. Weird little oh. minute. I think we have about 70 weird minutes. This feels like a good one. You know, when we do these sometimes and we do a lot of freestyling when we don't have a great guest, I think we stumble into some funny corners. And uh, I had a good time recording this one, so hopefully someone out there enjoys listening to it because it's, I don't, dude, we're on day like 49 of quarantine. How is everyone not going a little crazy at this point, dude? Oh, yeah, they are. And hopefully things are looking up. And on the just on the fishing front, we'll get into There's a lot lots changing uh, on the fishing front as far as um, 
just patterns and stuff like that. So we'll go into a couple little weird oddball post-spawn happenings uh, maybe in the next episode. But again, hit us up with your comments, guys, and uh, thanks for listening. Thanks again for listening to the podcast, guys. Hope you guys are staying safe and enjoying this nice spring weather. Hopefully you're doing some fishing and uh, having some good family time at home. We'll talk to you next week.